burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Stephen Wired got a really cool experience. While I was out in a neighborhood with my children on Halloween evening, trick-or-treating, he was watching the sixth game of the World Series with 41,000 of his closest friends. And Stephen came prepared. You see, this particular World Series has been just home-run city. Up to that point, 22 home runs in five games. Uh, that's incredible. Uh, and so he came prepared with a glove. He came to be one of those people that, you know, with all the odds against him, 41,000 people, that a home run's gonna come right to you. And in this game, they only hit two. And one of them came right to him. I mean, here's this guy with his mitt, ready for this amazing moment in the World Series. He's gonna catch a home run ball in the World Series. As that ball comes to him, and he holds his mitt up, and it clips just over the edge of his mitt. <laughs> and he misses the ball, which is not necessarily the worst of it, because you see, as he's standing there and he's got his mitt up trying to get this ball, he's blocking the view of the lady behind him. And this ball hit her right in the abdomen. And to make matters worse, he knew this lady. Megan was his wife. He misses a home run ball in the World Series only to have the ball hit his wife in the gut. And then, to just add injury to insult, um, they didn't even get the ball. It hit her gut and rolled away. They didn't even get to take the ball away with them. They missed everything they could have gotten in that wonderful moment in the World Series. How does it feel? when you miss, miss something that maybe you just, you really wanted it, maybe you knew you really needed it, maybe you think of it as like, this was kind of a once in a lifetime chance, and I held my glove up, and it just went over the top of it. Um, his wife very kindly said, he was just trying to protect me from the ball. He said, I was flustered, I got lost, and I just choked. Yes, you did. What happens when God is working in our lives and we miss what he's doing? What happens when God is doing something in your family, in your life, in your church, and, and you even brought your spiritual glove because you're ready, and you still miss it. 
the story we read today, God does something. He does something amazing. Even as it is possible that sometimes the work that God is doing in our life, we could miss the primary point. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask for your spirit to work in our lives this morning. Lord, open your word. Speak powerfully to us that we might be changed, we may be transformed more into the image of Christ. Lord, throughout the sermon and through the rest of our time together as we worship, Lord, equip and encourage us to live kingdom first in all areas of our life, every day of every week of every year, for your honor and glory. In Christ's name, amen. If you would, please open up your Bible to Joshua chapter three. Joshua chapter three. We're gonna look at an incredible miracle. And the miracle is something that the writer actually slows everything down in order to draw attention to it. Um, This is a miracle that he doesn't want us to just pass over. It's if he wants you to just step right into the miracle itself and see it. It's also a very, we're gonna start in verse 14. It's also a very, um, in Hebrew, it's a very convoluted sentence. It runs from verses 14, 15, and 16. That's a single sentence in Hebrew. Here's the miracle. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark, I mean, you can already hear some of the repetition, Bearing the ark, has already been mentioned twice, had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. If you, have, if you read through the Old Testament at all, I want you to notice how little description is given of things. They're not into, this is not a novel where you're going to have like three or four paragraphs describing what something looks like. You just don't get that in Scripture. You get very little description of what people look like. You get very little description about what they're doing. The focus tends to be on rather what's happening or what's being said. But just look at that sentence. In verse 15, as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet, it's like the camera stops and zooms down, just so you can see this. And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped. It's like their toes just went in. You know when you go to the beach and you're like checking the water out and you walk up and you stick your toes and the water comes up and you just feel them and then as it goes away you feel your toes sink into the sand and it's just their toes, they're touching the brink of it. Now, and then in parentheses, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest and just to let you know, this is when the river's the biggest. That's the point of that little parenthetical comment. The river's huge right now. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, voluted. People passed over opposite Jericho. That is one giant convoluted Hebrew sentence trying to describe this moment where Here come the priests, and everybody's watching, 
and the river is as big as it can get, and they've got to cross over to get into land. And here they come bearing the ark, and they walk up, and here's the river, and they just stick their toes into the river. And suddenly the water stands up, and way far away it starts piling up. And then you get verse 17, and now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on the dry ground. Just so you know, it's not that they just made the water stop. The ground is dry. I mean, what happens if you move the water? It should still be muddy and wet. No, it is dry. Every part of this, God is working something huge for them, and he wants them to see it. Uh, firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel is passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Right, this is an incredible miracle. Um, there's language in here that is only used of the Red Sea because you're supposed to have that in mind. It's supposed to recall that. Here comes these people. They're gonna cross over to the land because God has said, I want you to go into this land and conquer it. And this is my way to make you, to help you get across. Right, here is this awesome miracle. What do we do with it? I mean, as much as the writer wants us to see how incredible this is, what do we do with this miracle? Um, most of you, if not all of you, are probably aware of the GOP tax bill that is coming. Maybe you've read some about it, you've seen some of the things they're getting rid of, what they're changing, and what they're hoping to change. Um, I've looked and it, it does appear that I might end up paying less tax if this passes. Won't be much, but a little bit. But if you go through all the various things that are in it, most likely, whether you are Republican or Democrat, or in between, it doesn't matter, you will find some things you like and some things you don't like. There'll be some things you wish they weren't changing and some things you're glad they're changing. Right, without being too political, I will give you just one thing that I really didn't like. One thing. It's a deduction that they're doing away with if this passes as it is. Teachers will no longer be able to deduct school supplies that they buy for their classroom. I really don't like that. Like, good stuff. One, I was a teacher. Two, I still love teachers. Three, I don't think they get paid enough, and they do a whole lot of really good stuff. And like, that's very frustrating if that passes, that that's one thing where they will no longer be able to write off school supplies they buy for their classroom. However, there is a deduction that is staying that you will all be very happy about, right? Because it's big, and it can make a huge difference, and they're not getting rid of that one, right? You can still deduct the depreciation on your private jet over five years. Now, you can still do that, all right? And not only that, I mean, listen to this. If you use that jet at least 50% of the time for business, you can actually make the deduction over like three years instead of five, and so you can get it sooner. And if you buy the jet new before 2019, check this out you can deduct 50% of it the first year. I mean, think of those savings. That's amazing, isn't it? You guys don't seem all that thrilled about this. <laughs> Could it be? I mean, listen, 
I've been trying to get the Vester to buy me a jet for redemption for a long time. And Tim just won't budge. I've even told him, like, you could take Kathy in it and go to Paris or something, and still. And Kathy's ready for it. But yeah, I just, I can't seem to get them to get me a jet. Right? That is an amazing deduction that applies to nobody in this room. And if it does, you better tell me before the capital campaign starts. <laughs> An amazing deduction that just doesn't apply. Can I be frank with you? That miracle, it doesn't apply to you. Maybe you're the one exception, like God's gonna let you go stick your toes in a river at some point and he's gonna part it for you and you get to walk through on dry ground. But that, that, the point of this miracle is not to tell everybody we should all go try to part rivers. Or heck, let's make it fun, swimming pools. You know, let's just show people the great power of God by making a swimming pool open up. And that, that's, not, that's not what is being called for here. This miracle, as it's written, really does not have a direct application to anybody in this room, as it's written. But did you know the primary point of the miracle is also not the miracle. What I mean by that is the primary point was not to get them to the other side. God could have done that in any number of ways. He could have built them a bridge. He could have flown them over. I mean, there's all kinds of ways he could have gotten them over there. But he did it this way. And guess what, buddy? Even though he did this miracle, they still have to get into the land and conquer everybody. The miracle doesn't do that. There was a point to this miracle that is bigger than the immediate impact, right? Open, look back in your Bible and jump back now in chapter three to verse seven. Why did God do this miracle? Why was it recorded? And how do we not miss the point? By reading carefully. Verse seven. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Number one, this miracle was to point the people to the leadership of Moses, I mean to Joshua. It wasn't just about this amazing, miraculous thing, it was so when they went through and they were on the other side, they would remember God is with Joshua. He is our new leader, even as Moses was. God is with him but not just him. Keep reading. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you. See this miracle? It wasn't just about getting a cross. It was about what it meant. God would be with them. God would be with Joshua as their leader. God would be with the people as they went into the land. The living God would be with them. The miracle was bigger than that initial impact. I want you guys, all of you, all of Israel to remember this miracle because it tells you I am with you when we go into the land. Even when I'm not doing this miracle again. I am with you. Keep going. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pezzasites, the Gigashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth 
Interesting title, hardly ever used. But the river right now is as big as it can get. And it is nothing to the Lord of all of the earth because he is Lord of all of the earth. He is Lord of the river and he is the Lord of the nations that you're going in to conquer. He is Lord of all the earth. And in this miracle, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that he is Lord of all the earth. Is passing over before the Jordan, um, before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take 12 men from the tribes of the Lord, from each a tribe a man, and when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. You see, the initial, the primary, the, the, the big thing he wants them to take away from this miracle is not that they walked through the waters. It's not actually the miracle that they'll never see repeated again. It's what it meant about the one who did the miracle, that God is working, that God is in their midst. He said, when I do this miracle, I want you to remember that I am with you, that I am with Joshua, that I am Lord of all the earth, that I'm gonna walk with you into this land. It was bigger than the miracle. And you see this with Jesus. When Jesus fed all of those people bread, in John's gospel, they come back, but they want more bread. See, they think the point of the miracle was just to feed them. And Jesus is going, no, it's not about just feeding you guys. I want to give you living bread. I want to give you me. Like the miracle was to point to me. It wasn't just so I could give you bread every day and make peanut butter sandwiches out of my power. There was something bigger than that. When he told a paralytic, your sins are forgiven, and a bunch of religious leaders were going, oh, nobody can forgive sins but God. And Jesus went, okay, so that you can know I can forgive sins? That's my point. Stand up and walk. He healed this man. Now, the healing was immediate, and this man loved it, but it was something bigger. He was trying to say, your sins actually are forgiven. This miracle points to that. When he first comes to the disciples and they're fishing and they're like, we haven't caught anything all night, master. And he's like, go out anyway. And he takes them out there and he says, now cast your net to the side and they get this giant amount of fish. That that wasn't just a business transaction. Peter falls to his knees And he goes, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He sees who Jesus is. And Jesus then uses that to say, now, go be fishers of men. It wasn't just a miracle. It wasn't like, oh, great, got a bunch of fish now. It was that pointed to something else. The work of God in our lives is meant to point to the presence of God in our lives. It is not just what happens in that immediate, even though sometimes that can be profound and reality, beautiful, but it is meant to point to something bigger, a bigger reality of God's presence and his love with his people. Speaking of the World Series, one writer described the history of Houston baseball as 56 years of futility because they've never won a World Series until this year. 
And isn't it amazing the year that Houston wins the World Series? Because two months ago was Harvey. But it's now that they win it. And, and this win, and you can just go scour and see quotations. I'm going to just read you a few. It made you feel so good to be from Houston. It felt normal again. Um, I love this. This was a tweet. Harvey dropped 51 inches, so the Houston Astros dropped the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. We cannot thank you enough, Astros. You showed the world that we are hashtag Houston strong. Hashtag Harvey couldn't take us down. We are hashtag world champions. Or this. It gives life to the city. It's like they put us on their back. It's like the Astros were saying, we're gonna put you on our back and we're gonna rebuild. We're doing it and we're gonna do it with a championship. For Houston, this was so much bigger than winning a ball game. As big as that was. I mean, think about it. 56 years without a World Series and you just won. You are baseball champions and yet there's something even bigger than that no matter how big that is. The city saw it as a way of, it's bringing us together. We have hope. We have normal life again. We're gonna rebuild. As big at is the work of God in our lives. As big as the work is. As big as the answered prayer. There's more to it. There is more to God doing work in our lives than only what happens in that moment. There is every moment that comes after that and remembering God's presence, God's love, God's power in those times when he was working. Why do we need that? Why do we need those things to hold on to? I had a conversation um, with my daughter, and it was an Initially, it was an awkward conversation um, for me. Like, I'm trying to figure out how to start it. To be honest, I don't want to hear the answer. Um, it's a little scary. Uh, my heart was beating kind of hard um, because she had said something uh, less than a week before that. We were sitting around the table, and we are, again, doing the weekly engagement questions. And one of the questions was, how are God's promises supposed to make us feel? And of course, my boys give their crazy, ridiculous answers. And at the time, we had Ellie Eisenberg with us, and she gave this beautiful, you know, perfect response of, I, I can't even repeat it, it was so, so good. And then my daughter says, I know it's supposed to make us feel good, but God doesn't always come through on his promises. And like, then my boys are going off, and like, everything loose, all this chaos, and like, my heart sunk. I went, What? Like, she's 11, and, and like I'm just, and so I'm, I'm waiting for this moment when I can have this conversation to say, hey, sweetheart, can we talk? Like, what did you, what did you mean by that? What, what, what's going on? And, um, and so we finally get to the moment, and I ask her, and, and she says, I said, so, you know, what did you mean by your response? She goes, oh, well, you know, sometimes when you're going through life, remember, she's 11, 
Sometimes when you're going through life and you're going through something that is hard and you're praying, God doesn't answer right away. I mean, it can be a while. Sometimes it's hard, but he always fulfills his promises. Okay, daughter's doing all right. Um, And then I thought, that is so perceptive. But that's exactly why we need this. Because who has not had that experience? Who has not had the experience of God answered a prayer and things were amazing and wonderful and awesome and this was so cool. And then somewhere down the road, God, where are you? This is awful. Why aren't you answering my prayer? Why aren't you saying anything? Why won't you respond? Like, why does this keep happening to me? Why won't you fix this? I've been praying and yet it feels like I'm just talking to thin air because you're nowhere there. Who's not had that experience? The reason we need this is because what my 11-year-old said and what our experience confirms is exactly that. The Israelites still, after this miracle, had to go into the land and conquer it. Just because this one giant miracle didn't mean everything was perfect. And they needed something to remember. Yes, God is with Joshua. Yes, the living God is with us. And God wants us to recognize that the work in our life that he is doing Those are the times where God is saying, hold on to this. Remember that I love you. Remember that I work. Remember that I have power. Remember that you mean something. Remember that you can trust me because you will go through times where it is dark. You will go through the valley of the shadow of death. You absolutely will. And those will be times where it is hard. Those will be times where you may not feel the presence of God in your life. But that is why he has worked all along. Is so you can look back from the big things to the little things. Um, just one other thing that my daughter said in the midst of a conversation recently. I said, why do you read the Bible? And she said, because I'm trying to give God thanks for healing my body. Most of you know, at 10 months, she, had, she was diagnosed with stage four metastatic cancer. And she went through chemotherapy, and she is in remission, and she's 11 years old and alive and doing well. Amen. And she reads her Bible every night to say thank you to God. She remembers that. It means something. Even though she doesn't remember the moment, she remembers her mom and dad telling her the story over and over and over again, praying every single night with her. Thank you, God, for healing her body. And it meant something. From the big things, my daughter getting healed with cancer, my wife, two years ago, was in an accident that should have taken her life. It did take the life of somebody else. She walked away. You know, often I give thanks that she walked away from the really big things to the small things, to the person that walked up to you right when you needed it, and they just put their arms around you, and you went, I needed that so badly, thank you, God. From the very little things, God is saying, remember these things. This is me working in your life. And you're gonna have moments where you're walking and you don't feel me, you don't sense me. I'm not answering all the way. 
in those times, I want you to remember. In fact, with Israel in chapter four, he's gonna have them get 12 stones. And he wants them to stack those stones as a memorial for what happened. Not because God is ever going to part the Jordan again for them necessarily, but because in parting the Jordan, he showed them his power and his love. He showed them, I'm with you. And I need you to remember that. And so I'm gonna put these stones here to remember it. I am with you. Our response to the miracle of the Jordan is two simple things. Remember what God has done in your life. From the big things to the little things, hold on to them. Remember them especially when you are struggling. And number two, be the person that God can use to work in somebody else's life. I mentioned that coming up and giving a hug. I can't tell you the number of times that somebody in the church has come up to me, and it makes sense they would do this, they'd come up and they would say something like this. I just saw Erica, so I'm gonna use Erica, because um, I actually did hear this once, so I'm just letting you know. Um, Erica is doing a great job leading the Bible study that she's doing. I've heard somebody come up and say, uh, Lori did a really great job at that missions meeting. I've had people come up and say to me about people, lay people. Um, I've heard one guy came up to me to brag about how great um, Robert and David and Jack are doing with the men's Bible study. I've had numerous people come up and say, your wife's articles are touching me, they're really good. My question is, are we telling them? Because telling me so that I tell them is not the same thing. We have opportunities for God to use us to build people up, to be some of those little moments that they can hold on to. Because how often are you beaten down as opposed to lifted up? How often, whether it's in your job, in your family, with your faith, in your neighborhood, how many times are you beaten up? We need people that God can use just to walk up to us and say, I love what you're doing. Thank you. Let me give you a hug. So two responses. Remember what God is doing in your life. Hold on to it because you will go through dark times. Absolutely will, I guarantee it. And number two, will you be one of those people that God can use to lift other people up, to bless them, to show them God really does love them? There was a, a one guy that they interviewed from Houston. Um, his name is Jared. Um, and he had a quote very similar to everybody else about how much this meant to the city. Um, but he brought in something else that was just really neat. He was describing how after they won it, and of course it wasn't in Houston for game seven. So they're in the stadium, everybody's screaming, people are in bars all across Houston, they're watching the game. They, multiple articles are describing how people are in like gutted out houses because they haven't yet gotten things back together, but they're still finding a way to listen to or watch this game seven. But when they won it, all of these yellow streamers 
were just exploded all over downtown Houston. And people were just picking these things up, trying to get something to remember this game by. And he said, I got this long one, and there were people walking by, and they wanted a piece of it. And he's like, I gladly said, pull off a piece so you can hang on to this, and you can remember what we did here tonight. You can remember what this city has accomplished. That was their remembering. We've got to remember the work of God because that is what takes us through the harder times. And we have got to be the people who will help show God to others to get them through these times. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence that as you said to the Israelites, you are with them, so you are with us. Lord, please allow us to see your work for what it is. To recognize your presence and your love even beyond the immediate effect of what you accomplish. And then Lord, help us to hold on to that so that we don't lose faith, so that we keep trusting and we keep looking forward to the time that as my little girl said, God always fulfills his promises. Let us hold on to that. We ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.